Hello, friends. We're in sunshiny Shakopee, Minnesota at Friendship Church Studios. Thanks for joining in. Today, you'll be enraptured with delight by my co-host, Pastor Matt Clausen and Pastor Joel Farber. We're going to discuss the spiritual discipline of fasting as it relates to the believer. I'm Kenny White, inviting you to grab some coffee, buckle up, and enjoy the ride on this week's episode of your Friendship Church Podcast. Hey, church fam, Pastor Joel here reminding you to go, go where you say, well, that's the title of the next series starting on March 14th. We will hear from Steiger Ministries, crew missionaries, Dirk and Lorna Johnson, and we'll end this series with the triumphal entry of Christ. You won't want to miss this series. For us to join God's work in reaching the lost, we must go. Look forward to seeing you at Prior Lake or Shakopee. Hey, thanks for joining us. We're glad to have you with us. We, um, you know, we're looking at fasting today, and and part of the reason that we want to talk about fasting is because this is the Lent season. And uh, Matt, I just want to draw your attention to Joel because he still has that ash on his head from Ash Wednesday. Do you see that? He needs a puppy to lick that off. <laughs> oh no! That's how I get my face clean every day. Puppy kisses. You know, you know, if if I had 50 years to think about options, I wouldn't have thought of that. So I appreciate you bringing that angle <laughs> right. I don't know yeah. what you guys are talking about. It's a joke, but it's also true. <laughs> Puppy Did we have kisses. mass? Did we have mass last night? No. <laughs> No, so so Joel, I'm I'm messing with you. Don't really still have that mark on your head. You washed it off just fine, but uh, oftentimes on Ash Wednesday there will be a service just marking uh, the beginning of Lent, and so they'll put this ash on people's foreheads, and it, again, it just starts the season of Lent. And Lent, when we say that, we're not talking about the stuff in your belly buttons. That's right. No, not that kind of Lent. Uh, it's it's a term that uh, some people have different ideas of what it means, but the best I can tell, it comes from an old English word, and it just means springtime. So I, I that's the best I got. I don't know. Maybe you guys have more information than I do on that one. First thing I think of, not related at all. <laughs> Rum Springer! I don't know what that means. Rumspringa? No. Th- that's the uh, the time. I I don't know if it happens in the spring, but it's when people of the Amish community uh, turn 18. They get to choose if they want to go and uh, live in the world outside of the Amish community for a oh. while and experience life. We're and all getting education. After right that's now. done, they choose, I'm going to either you know, exile myself uh-huh. to pursue the world Thing with my ears or my fingers, um, <laughs> bunny ears. Thing with my ears, <laughs> or they go back to their Amish community <laughs> and uh, having experienced life outside I, of that community. Rum Springer. I'm confident I'm supposed to be kind to you right now, but you just made air quotes with your fingers and said, "Thing with my ears." <laughs> <laughs> I'm the- <laughs> it 
was like a little bunny. <laughs> I, it, well, I, when you did this, I got what it was like a little bunny foo foo hopping yeah, you're through doing the forest the thing with kind your of fingers. thing. Yeah, yeah. But, okay. but it's air quotes. So now you know what you're talking about. Rum Springer. <laughs> okay. I, I didn't know that you knew so much about the Amish community. Well, when Did we you were, grow up near the no, Amish or what? No, every time we'd get kind of uh, near springtime in college, one of my buddies would always just start yelling, Rum Springer! <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea why. Oh, no. I'm certainly no expert. You know, it's all secondhand information to me. So you might want to look it up for yourself. But, yeah. <laughs> all right. So Lent. Yes. Ash Wednesday. Yeah, it kind of starts it off um, those 40 days as we prepare for. Uh, Easter and um, I, you know, different different traditions will do different things. For example, some will uh, not eat meat on uh, Fridays, uh, but they will eat fish. But I guess fish isn't considered meat. I don't know how that works exactly. Mm. But that's that's one thing. Mm. Um, other people will do different types of fasts or different types of disciplines. Um, have you guys ever participated in that? Have you, do you know anyone who did? Has uh, Did your faith practice growing up do anything like that? I have never abstained for from anything for the sake of Lent. Okay. Sorry. No, no, Same, sorry. yeah. The only experience I have in fasting is, you know, church-wide, you know, organized fasts or personal fasts. Sure. Yeah. yeah. No, that's great. I don't I I don't I don't see any mandate in scripture where it's necessary to do. Um one of the things that I uh, I do like about it we've so I grew up with with a uh, liturgical background and um one of the things I I did like about growing up that way was the the natural rhythm and the preparation for Easter. I mean it just it makes your brain think about stuff in in a way that perhaps you wouldn't and oftentimes I, you know I, th- I think we're kind of surprised by Easter like oh yeah that's this weekend I guess we better do something and so <laughs> so I've I've always enjoyed the season of Lent and and just that preparation of my heart and my mind for I don't know what one celebrating the resurrection but two just also um, reviewing my faith and and what God might be doing in my life. Um, do you have any sort of, uh, um, I don't know, just in your own discipline or rhythm, are there any spiritual disciplines that you guys have held on to over the years as you're seeking the Lord? And maybe there's a variety of them from times of silence to fasting to scripture memorization, or what are what are some ways that some some spiritual disciplines that have helped you connect with the Lord? <clears throat> well, a couple that I like to lean into is a uh, regular time of prayer. Um, mm-hmm. You know, most specifically, I, I can say this, um, on Sunday mornings, always when I'm driving in, I'm I'm praying um, for the church, I'm praying for the services, for the team, and mm-hmm. I am praying, you know, especially for my wife and kids at home, too, as they get mm-hmm. ready that morning, because, mm-hmm. you know, it can be hectic sometimes, or sometimes it goes great. Mm-hmm. And so there's all those areas that I like to pray for. And, you know, that looks different each day of the week, depending on the flow of my day and stuff like that. But I do try to carve out specific times of praying. And, mm. um, you know, one of my favorite times to pray just specifically is in the car mm. a lot. You know, I'll listen to 
things occasionally, but you know, I find myself just getting bored. Not because your driving's bad, not because or people around bad. you, their driving is bad. No, yeah, just just because that's a good yeah. quiet time. For yep. You. Uh, turn the dial down and just start praying. Because mm. I mean, you're stuck in the car for 15 minutes, usually. So mm-hmm. just get at it. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Good thinking. How about you, Pastor Matt? Well, I think uh, for me, the things that have been regular and helpful have been uh, praying, particularly uh, it has impacted my life a great deal to use the prayer that Jesus taught us to use as a model for praying and to uh, when, to try and follow him when he says, pray then like this, um, and and use that as a model for my prayer, whether I'm driving in the car or whether I'm spending time in the morning. Um, I think along with that, the discipline of reading large chunks of Scripture in order to get a flow on a certain day. There are some days where there are a few open hours, and to spend some of that time reading a large chunk of Scripture to get the flow of an entire book has been helpful for me. And then to dig in in deeper study, not just read it, but dig in and Mm. understand how I can praise God more because of the a particular passage or apply that. And then <clears throat> the the discipline of fasting combined with prayer has been significant, I think, in my life mm-hmm. um, for my growth as well. Mm-hmm. So, so you said something that I just think is really interesting about using the Lord's Prayer as a model. Could you talk that through a little bit, Matt? I mean, mm-hmm. are you saying that you, you simply... Um, recite the Lord's Prayer, or is that more of a uh, is it more of a, a pattern or principles that you're pulling out in each section of the prayer? Sure. What does that look like? Yeah, I think when uh, the the word like um, should help us to understand that it's a a model, uh, and the way that we use a model is to help frame what we're doing. Uh, if if I'm in class and I have to write a paper, and the professor hands me the best model. From the previous year, it isn't my job to copy that model word for word. That, that's how you get kicked out of school. That model provides a framework that helps me understand what my paper is supposed to look like as I write it. And so I think when Jesus says, pray then like this, mm-hmm. um, we're to understand that it's a model so that those lines within the prayer are to guide us into the prayers that we pray. Mm-hmm. And I, I think Using Jesus' model for prayer is important because in my flesh, I want to run to God with prayers that only build and grow my selfishness. Mm -hmm. God, do this for me. God, do this for me. God, do this for this person that I care about. Uh, But Jesus' model prayer tends to focus all of my heart and mind on his name, his kingdom, Mm -hmm. his will. I mean, even within the give me section, uh, it's give me my my daily, my common bread, my absolute needs, and my flesh is like, I want my wants. <laughs> and so there's a sense in which I believe that that Jesus has intentionally given us this important model prayer to battle the flesh and grow the spirit in us as believers. Mm-hmm. And so to use it as a model is fundamentally important. I think when he says, pray then like this, that's more than a suggestion. That's that's mm-hmm. an imperative. Like we, we don't it's one of Jesus' commands that we ignore the most mm. when he says, pray then like this. And we say, well, I'll just pray whatever way I feel like or whatever way I want. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not really the way Jesus has taught us mm. in all of this. I, I think, so going through 
going through the lines of the prayer and helping that to guide my prayers about that day and the things that I'm going through are how I use the prayer. I think we can see that it's not important to pray it word for word in the fact that Luke's copy of the Lord's Prayer in chapter 11 of Luke does not match word for word uh, Matthew and that copy of the Lord's Prayer. And we know that the early church's recitation of the Lord's Prayer that we see in like the Didache, it's not word for word Mm -hmm. of what we see in either of those places. And so the word for word does not seem to be what is important here by the fact Mm -hmm. that the Gospels and the early church use slightly different forms of the prayer. Mm-hmm. It's a model that is meant to to help guide us and lead us. That's really good. Uh, do you would you say that's a, a a part of your natural rhythm then, or is that? Um, and when I say natural rhythm, I'm talking about your daily time in prayer, or is that something that you're conscious of and you do uh, on Fridays on your day off or something? I, uh, uh, yeah, both. So for me. Um, there's ways in which I dig in and try to use it in a larger way when I have more time, right? Mm-hmm. So on Friday morning, I might dig in and, and do a larger time where I'm working my way through each mm-hmm. of the petitions of the prayer mm-hmm. and really trying to bring my life into submission to what God has taught us there through prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also use it, like Joel was talking about, in the car, right? Like I, yeah. Most people know the Lord's Prayer, um, and so we have the ability to work through the petitions even quickly. If I've got a 15-minute mm-hmm. drive into the office, okay, I know how much time I have, and I spend time walking through the petitions as I'm on my way in and allowing that to uh, focus my mind and prayers in the directions that God would have. Yeah. Yeah. I, You know, one of the directions I wanted to go is is toward this issue of fasting. Mm. And I don't think that that's ever divorce of prayer. Right. And and oftentimes uh, I, well and I I see this I see this movement in terms of intermediate fasting and um and that being an important health aspect. And I've even heard of Christians who are uh practicing uh that type of fast but they're not uh, marrying prayer with it. Do you? Do either of you have a a um, I, I don't know any any thoughts on that matter? Any uh, you know are are these two separate things, fasting and prayer? Uh, are they are they married together? Um, are they beneficial that way? Or does it matter? I'll be honest. The uh, you know there have been t- a couple of times in my life where I fasted and I've forgotten why I'm doing it, mm-hmm. and maybe felt a little obligated to do it. And not only that, but just started complaining about it, even to myself. And Or, you know, there have been times where I've been like, you know what? I did this for 12 hours. I'm going to eat a pizza, mm. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Right. I'm going to You just give myself. up. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, okay, well, I missed the point Yeah. in right. that moment. So, yeah, that's a... Had I been completely focused on God throughout the day or set, you know, cell phone reminders every 30 minutes or whatever, you right. know, remember, hey, pray, pray, pray. Because otherwise, if you're not tuning in and connecting to Jesus in that moment, you're just going to forget yeah, or turn into what I did. Well, and I, I think perhaps that's part of the point is like how easy it is for us to 
do our own thing or to be um, bound by our flesh. You know, it's like, oh, man, it's lunchtime and I'm so hungry right now. Why yeah, am I not right, eating? Right. I should eat. Oh, yeah, we're going to pray about something. Okay, I'm going to say this quick prayer, but really, I just want to eat. And we're we're reminded of like how strong our, our flesh's passion is for things and stuff. Uh, and so I, I've really appreciated the discipline of of prayer through the years. I mean, that was uh, obviously an issue uh, with Jesus followers while he was there. The the uh, you know the religious leaders came to him and said, "Why don't your disciples fast?" And Jesus said, "Hey, well, I'm with them. Uh, why would?" Why would uh, why would they fast? You know, while the while the groom is here, there's no need. But when when he ascended into heaven, the early church picked up this idea of fasting, uh, idea this discipline of fasting, and they did it regularly. And this has been uh, a part of the church's history. And I'm saying the church, you know, like a big C at large, the universal church, uh, from the beginning, that fasting has been a part of. Of the discipline, and I'm just wondering, um, Matt. Maybe you can even speak to this. Uh, why do you Why do you think this has been s- such an emphasized piece of of the church? So, I think because it 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 is emphasized, it has been emphasized by the church because of the role that it plays in establishing. God is the priority and calling for more of his presence in our life. Mm. Uh, that when we look at parables like Jesus teaches in Luke chapter 14 of the great banquet, Jesus seems to indicate that the greatest threat to us not being a part of the great banquet isn't the intentional practice of evil, but the elevation of God's good gifts above God himself, mm. right? Those people who missed out on the banquet missed out because they got new property because they were getting married, because they had oxen and wanted to go work. Well, these are all great gifts from God, marriage, work, property, but they elevated them above the one who gives those gifts, mm-hmm. and, and thus they missed out on the banquet. And fasting uh, brings about right perspective. It is intended to bring about right perspective in our life. Normally, we eat food, and we give thanks to the one who gave, gave us that food. In fasting, we deny ourselves that food in order to say, food isn't what is important. The giver of the food is what is most important in our lives. We're not going to get hung up on the gifts. We're going to fast from those and acknowledge that what is most important is the giver of those gifts. Mm -hmm. And so I think that Christians throughout the centuries have recognized the greatest threat to spiritual maturity is a love for the gifts that surpasses our love for the giver. Mm-hmm. And fasting is our way of saying, we are giving up the gifts in order to acknowledge that all of life is about the giver. Who have I in heaven but you? The earth has nothing I desire besides you, the psalmist says. Fasting is an expression of Psalm seventy-three twenty-five. The earth has nothing I desire over you, God. Like, mm-hmm. it's all about you. And I think fasting is what correctly orients us in that. Okay. I I appreciate what you're saying. And, you know, I mean, I, I think, I think right now I'm, I'm also hearing as I'm, as I'm reading, um, 
a variety of devotionals, looking at some uh, pastoral thoughts on on fasting. There is a movement toward fasting from electronics, <laughs> uh, fasting from television. I guess that's still electronics, but <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what else they, yeah. they say. I, those I think TVs that, was... that aren't electronic, we call those pictures. <laughs> Paintings, perhaps? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. But there, there's there's a, a movement toward fasting from things that aren't food. Mm. Uh, I certainly see a place for that discipline but is that a biblical fast in your opinions? And I, I, I mean, I, I have some thoughts, but I don't know that. Um, I'd like to hear yours first. Hmm. <laughs> well, I guess um, I don't see, with the possible exception of a couple fasting from intimacy for the sake of their prayer, that's mentioned in First Corinthians seven. Mm-hmm. I don't see fasting apart from food within the scripture. Yeah. Uh, now. That doesn't mean that it couldn't happen, mm-hmm. um, but that's not the way that it's represented in the Scripture. It is about food. I do think food is representative in the Scripture of God's good gifts. When we pray for our daily bread, I think that means something beyond bread. It's representative right. of all of God's provision of good things that we are praying for in our life. And so there is a way that food represents God's good provision, and giving up that food in fasting represents a desire to acknowledge, God, it's you above all of your good provision. Could we do that in some other ways? Probably. But food is the way that it's done in the Scripture. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I mean, if you're if you're asking me, can it be about something else? Maybe. That's just not what we see in the Bible for the most part. Right. Yeah. So so do you think then there's, there's value uh, for believers to be very specific to fast from food. I mean, if someone came to you and said, ah, I fast all the time, I just fast from electronics. Right. Um, okay, that's that's great, but would you challenge them to fast from food? Yes. Yes, but I wouldn't challenge them to necessarily fast from food in a way that stopped their abstaining from something else. And I'll use that word abstaining so yeah, that we're clear word. about right. fasting from food, abstaining from other things. Um, we don't fast or abstain from sin, right? Because fasting and abstaining are a temporary <laughs> thing. Uh, we, we remove sin forever. Right. Uh, but we, we, would, we would abstain from other things that we think might be creeping into our lives as idols mm-hmm. in order to say, we don't want these things to be a God thing. God, we want only you to be a God thing. We acknowledge these are your gifts and that they're to be subservient in all ways. I think food is the primary way we do that on a weekly basis, on a regular basis. But if we recognize other things creeping into our lives that are good things, but they're becoming a God thing instead of just a good thing, then I would suggest we abstain from that for a significant period of time in order to say, no, these things are subjected to you. That they're in submission to you, your your God, not these things. Mm-hmm. That'd be my thought. No, I really like that, Joel. What sort of thoughts do you have as we're talking about fasting here and kind of wrapping up our time? Well, yeah, the one thing I was thinking about, I think that kind of confirms the idea of food is it's not necessarily related to fasting, but you know, sacrifice from the Old Testament was often mm-hmm. related to food, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, 
I don't know, I kind of see them hand in hand. And when you do fast, it is a sacrifice Mm. and it's meant to be um, so that you feel it, so that you rely on ultimately Jesus. Um, So yeah, that's my two cents. Yeah. Excellent. It's not easy. No, it's not easy. And I, I, you know, and I I think one of the things that I just want to warn anyone who's listening right now is uh, what we're not talking about is somehow we're getting favor from God through fasting. Like, now I'm super spiritual and, you know, God, you kind of owe me because I didn't eat for a day. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, uh, nope. uh, we want to warn that, right? That's that's not what this is about. Mm. But it it is a calibrator for us to make sure that we, we're worshiping the one true God. And so for those of you listening in, I, I just want to thank you for joining us. And I do want to encourage you uh, to consider a time of fasting. And one of the pieces that that I'll share, just a practical step, consider doing a fast from uh, 6 o'clock in the evening to 6 o'clock in the evening. That way you can go into your fast prepared, thinking about it, knowing that you are are not eating this uh, this meal at six o'clock. Uh, spend that time in prayer, and then you have most of the the next day. And then at six thirty on the next day, if you want to eat, go ahead and eat. Um, but try that. I, I would encourage you to try that. Uh, be disciplined and see what God will do. See how God meets you uh, in those times, and be be aware that there'll be some things that you know you may get a headache. You may uh, you may get some hunger pains, you 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 may kind of uh, struggle with focusing, so know that those are possibilities going into it, and prepare your heart and mind, and watch and see what God will do. Well, we want to encourage you um, in your spiritual walk and your spiritual growth. We want to thank you for joining us, and uh, again, uh, God really is good all the time, and as we prepare for. Easter, we want to be sure that we're preparing our hearts for him. God bless you. Fasting can be a difficult subject, so thank you for joining us. You know, we want to encourage you to share in social media about how the Lord has met you during a time when you fasted. Or maybe consider a time even before Easter to fast and join us in asking the Lord to bring a harvest of disciples. See you next time on your Friendship Church Podcast.